Hi, I'm Madhvi Romani. And I'm Rena Grobe. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week, we'll be discussing a new topic or trend, so you can stay informed the easy way. Serena, what are we talking about this week? One of the things that happened this week was the yearly Soma interview took place with different politicians. And Alice Weidel, who is the Fraktionsvorsitzende of the AfD, so like the leader, let's say, of the AfD, was asked in her interview how she deals with the Queerfeindlichkeit, so translated queerphobia, in her own party. To which she responded, I am not queer. I am simply married to a woman who I have known for 20 years, and we have two children together. This basically has got me thinking about the AfD, the role of women in the AfD. Why would a woman even be part of this right-wing party? A woman who's gay. Yeah, but just in general, why would why would a gay woman be part of this party? But why would any woman really be part of this party? And how does Elise Weidel compartmentalize the party she is part of like this? Like, it's honestly kind of mind-boggling to me. I have been having a lot of thoughts over the last week, but actually, I think I've articulated them on this podcast quite a lot for the last year or so. And it's kind of a turnaround on my position which I can hear it in your position, which is, why would a woman do this? Like, but surely they should be more intelligent than this. <laughs> and as you've probably realized, I've just been like, oh, but we're just, as women, we do it to ourselves and uphold these structures. So a woman who is a lesbian woman, but not queer in her definition, is in a party and leads a party which is against queer people or lesbian LGBTQI people. I think it's also really important to note that we don't actually know how Alice Weidel identifies. Like, she could be bisexual for all we know. She's never really openly positioned herself other than to say, I am not queer. This reminds me, I saw the wonderful Fran Leibovitz in London, who's lesbian. <laughs> and she was saying how she was always shocked that the gay movement, the first two things that they campaigned for and really wanted and they got the first two big wins that they got was number one marriage and number two the right to fight in the army and she was like I do not understand that because those are the two like the shittiest thing in normative heterosexual mainstream society yet we want into that and that's basically what Alice Vidal is saying right she's saying oh I'm not one of these gay, queer people who is like wearing makeup and proud of their their identities. I am normative because I have been in a stable relationship, like a hetero... She's a heterosexual, basically, but she's just living with a woman instead of a man. You know, she's got children, she's in a family structure, and it's a bit like white feminism too, right? It's like, I want the power, I want to be part of the mainstream where the power is. And how do you get that? Well, you become a CEO or something, right? So I can kind of kind of really understand. I don't think she's saying, oh, I'm bisexual. <laughs> I don't want to define myself. I think she's saying the opposite. I think she's saying, I am 
very heteronormative, but just it's yeah, it just happens to be a woman I'm living with instead of a man, and that's it. She's really downplaying her her gayness, but also yeah, it's a really interesting question because. It's a party that hates people who are not white, not heterosexual. Don't conform to, like, stereotypical gender roles or expression. But the funny thing is, when we're talking about gender roles, and like I said, I've come to it and I've really realized that it was a kind of mistake on my part because of how I grew up and how I'm surrounded by a lot of women, that I have always assumed that women are somehow better And then I've kind of switched that viewpoint and I just realized, oh no, all people are people and there are all types of everything and we, it's disappointing because you identify as part of a group and you're like, ah, this is my people. They Mm. can't be total assholes, but they really are. But that's the synopsis. (laughs) Just like this, if you take away anything from this podcast, it's people are assholes. But it's really not just me because I had two really interesting conversations this week with women who are really smart and really progressive and really intelligent in their thinking and one is from Italy and there they've got a right-wing Mussolini lover in power Meloni you call her Bologna no? yeah yeah because I couldn't remember her name <laughs> so I referred to her as the Bologna lady in Italy in our text messages and she said oh I'm glad it's a woman it's better a woman even though she's right I'm really not for the right but it's better a woman than a man. And, you know, even the opposition is a woman, so she just prefers that, like, oh, at least women are there. And then I had a... I think that that's actually kind of a counterproductive thing, because surely having a woman in power and a woman in power for something bad just means you're setting her up to fail, in a way. You know, like, a woman in power is not inherently a feminist thing. And specifically when it's a controversial political party or a party that's kind of filled with hate if you have a woman it only furthers misogyny because it leads people to be like ah well look at these women they're right wing they're terrible they do all these bad things oh but people love them as well because i i mean she got voted in yeah but i mean so not so much the people who are actually voting for them but i think that There's a lot of internalized misogyny amongst women on the left. I mean, we all have super hardcore internalized misogyny. It's unavoidable living in our society. So you, when you're on the left, whether you're a man or a woman, if the person leading the right, the far right, and sort of the symbol of the far right, you begin attacking them for being a woman, not for being a far right politician. Well, exactly. That's what I was saying. That was my position before. That's why exactly you're right. I always feel more annoyed at women, which is total misogyny, right? Because I'm just giving them way more of a hard time than I would if it were a man, because I would just be like, yes, but patriarchy is your thing, right? But it's also women's thing. And then the other conversation I had, which was really interesting, was somebody else who said, but women, yes, they can be total assholes too, but they have got one thing, which is that they have children. Mm -hmm. And because they have children, they might stop at starting a war or something because they don't want those children to die basically something that's come from your body. And that was the second argument that I had this week. So women wouldn't start wars because they don't want their children wouldn't. to go... Wouldn't. Wouldn't. 
not as much as men. So there was still a kind of bias there about the behavior of women, right? But then I also think what's really interesting is everywhere we've got right-wing women. So we've got here, we've got in France, Marine Le Pen, mm-hmm. in Italy. But then I, it got me thinking, well, maybe a lot of people are voting for them because they're women, because of their gender. They don't seem as dangerous as what they could do, right? Because the AFD here, basically, it could be Hitler again and genocide. That's what we're looking at, right? But because it's not a man, I think maybe they are voted for more because this comes on the back of just a really, really, really recent survey by the RBB poll, which surveyed voters in Brandenburg who said that this weekend, if they were to vote, 32% of voters would vote for the AFD. That's massive. And part of what I was thinking is maybe because it's a different gendered person, they're not seen as dangerous. And the other thing that happened this week is I was just in Amsterdam and I went to the Anne Frank Museum. And I think it's really important to go to these things over and over again. I've been there before, but it's so dangerous. All of these rhetoric and all these ideologies, you can almost forget about it. And if it's like a lesbian woman, not queer, lesbian... (laughs) I don't want to be sued by Alice Weidel. Maybe people are like, well, she can't be that bad because of the stereotypes we have of, well, but she must be somewhat a little bit reasonable and she's not going to kill all of the homosexual people again because she is one. But in their party manifesto, they say a lot of stuff. Did you know that the women membership in the IFD jumped from 13 to 17%? So it's gone up significantly. And actually what's super interesting is that the parties in Germany that they have the highest number of women are all of the more conservative, not necessarily right, but more conservative parties. So it's the CDU, CSU have the highest, then the FDP, then the AfD. And I was thinking about that. I was like, why are there more women in conservative parties than there are in liberal or leftist parties? And I actually had lunch with a friend of ours today, and we were talking about this. And we were discussing about how, as sort of a a, a feminist, you don't feel represented by the political parties, whether it's the SPD or the Green or the Linker or whatever the, you know, left parties are. So you're less likely to join them, whereas the right is very, very good at rallying their people around them. So women who fall for right ideology are more likely to join the party because they feel in some way, shape, or form represented by that party. More on that later. Whereas women on the left feel alienated from politics and don't feel included in modern day politics or are less likely to join the party. This is our assumption. I think there is something about, like you said, we all grow up in this generation, our generation. We grew up one of the first things you learn is, oh, I'm a girl, you're a boy. It's just there. It's it's part of your identity, right? And I think what's pushing people towards the right, my feeling, and also from certain conversations that I've had with friends who are generally all very left, but when it comes to gender, because it's your identity and it ties in so much with who you are and your role and your meaning in life. You know, like this thing about being a mother. And I have friends, they are, especially in England because of the way that the debate is framed, it's not framed as transphobia, it's framed as 
we're protecting women. You can't deny that women have children and therefore they are biologically women and not anyone can be a woman and all this kind of stuff. And because it's, these are such important things in women's lives, I can really understand how they get defensive when it's presented in this way, in this particular rhetoric, which is like, oh, you know, any man can just decide he feels like a woman and then he's a woman. Well, it's making your role in society and the the role of a mother is what where we've been given our power and our uniqueness all throughout these uh, centuries. And I could see how many women want to preserve that. But anyway, I was thinking about this idea of right-wing women and then I was watching Natalie Wynn, who always has the best sources and everything. And Andrea... Dworkin, who's an amazing feminist, very extreme feminist, but she, uh, I really like her. She's just got radical ideas and I generally tend to, I like it when somebody just hits me around the head with a mad idea. I just like... She yeah. died very young. She was only 58. She died in 2005. She had a terrible life though. Mm. Really terrible. And she was very traumatized. Um, but she was such a unique thinker. I don't actually agree with everything she says. She was totally against sex and I'm really totally for it. So there you go. Not biological sex, just penetrative the sex. <laughs> the concept of sex. Particularly penetrate all penetrative sex is violence, according to Andrea Dawkins. Huh, she was a lesbian though. Huh? She was a lesbian, so she was fine. In the, I mean, she was, yeah. <laughs> she was a lesbian and she was fine. But anyway, here's a quote from that book. It's called Right Wing Women. I haven't read it, but I have several quotes from it and they all totally make sense and explain this phenomenon of why would a woman be in a right wing party? Well, according to Andrea Dworking, the right offers women a simple, fixed, predetermined social, biological and sexual order. Form conquers chaos. Form banishes confusion. And she goes on, she says, No one can bear to live a meaningless life. Women fight for meaning just as women fight for survival. And then she makes a brilliant observation, which I think she's just totally spot on about. And she says, For women, the world is a very dangerous place. The right acknowledges the reality of the danger and the validity of the fear, and it then manipulates the fear. So women are in danger, basically, of men. Women will most likely be killed by the man they live with, with their boyfriend or their husband or whatever. But they can't go around criticizing or killing the men that they are intimate with, that they sleep with. But I mean, we could. Not saying we should. Well, it's very difficult, actually, because it's a bit like uh, Stockholm Syndrome, right? Because yeah. the person you sleep with, I mean, that's why the Russian spies slept with people, because you it's a bond. And so you can't put, put your rage, and women aren't really expressing rage as well. So you can't put your rage there. And also, if you put your rage there, there's a real chance that you might get killed. So then what they do is they displace it. And right now, a lot of that displacement... It doesn't go towards where the power is and the patriarchal, the men and, you know, where, wherever they're, however they're being oppressed. It goes towards like trans people, basically, or queer people. And Andrea Dworking was writing this in 1983. And she's at that time, it was going towards lesbians, particularly, or homosexuals, particularly also because homosexuals are really the biggest threat to women in a way because they don't need women like there's, that's, a, that's probably why lesbians are the biggest threat to men in a way too because you know 
in a world of lesbians, men are just not needed, right? And then where's their place and, and what's their meaning? And actually it's interesting because there was a survey in the UK and the group of people by sexuality who accept trans people the most, and in the UK it's really, really transphobic, uh, is lesbians. That's nice. Because they're at least, probably the least threatened group of, I don't know, they're just uh, lesbians, you know, <laughs> living the life. That's so nice. Yeah, that's nice. Because but... this is displacement, is actually what your subconscious does, is dream work. So what happens in your dream, so you hate your husband. Yeah. Con- your conscious mind can't handle it, your subconscious mind knows it. So then it replaces husband with a trans person and that's that is you're working within the imagery so it's perfect you're funneling your rage somewhere else we were having a conversation about the meaning of life or or more but like goals and like what drives people and what people strive for we're saying this idea of how we live in a time where people lack meaning because all of the factors that in the past used to give us meaning and guidance in particular religion are becoming less and less important And so people are turning to other things to give them a sense of identity, to give them a sense of community, because also in a hyper-individual world, in a hyper-globalized world, we really are losing our sense of who we are and where we belong and all of that. So we're seeking for things to replace this. This is why things like shout out to Sounds Like a Cult, you know, like where they episode on Peloton, why things like Peloton or, or yoga... Food, clean eating, like eating has become a religion. Yeah, anything that... Horoscopes. Horoscopes, astrology, anything that gives you a sense of identity and belonging and and a definition in your world, all of these things are becoming really big. And it was making me think about the rise of the... I still don't know how to say it. Is it trade wife? Is it trad wife? Don't know. I think it's trad wife because traditional wife. Traditional wife. But trad wife seems not a good name. I don't know. I don't like the word trad, but whatever. The rise of these traditional women, women who sort of yearn for a time where women were women and men were men, in quotation marks. But really what I think it is, is just the world is becoming a scary place and we don't really have anything to hold on to. So I think that as a woman, the idea of everything's going to be fine, everything has its place, you know who you are, you know your role, you know where you belong, is really appealing because... We're all so filled with anxiety around the world. And so I can kind of sympathize with why women would want to be part of this movement. I'm not saying I think it's right or I want to join it, but I see how they can get there because at least you have something to hold on to. And I think that's similar to what the IFD does as well. They're holding on to Nazis. They, they're holding on. <laughs> that, that's the problem. It's fine if you go back and you knit your children's clothes. Whatever. Do it. <laughs> but really, if you go back in Germany's history, you just... You just... It's just not good. Maybe not. But the left is so split on their ideologies. You know what I mean? Like, they're just a group of people bickering amongst themselves and everyone has all these different ideas and no one can align and no one can support each other. Whereas the right really seems this like united front that really offer a clear vision of what the future is. And they're like, oh, you're scared of something? We're going to tell you exactly who to be scared of. And then we're going to offer a solution to it. And you don't have to be anxious about the world anymore or your place in it because we will give you the answers. And even if you are a feminist, 
you know, deep down, maybe your fear overweighs it. So I can kind of understand how women become part of the IFD. Can you? AFD, not really, but I think what is pushing people over right now, as I can see it, is really just the gender debate and the trans debate. Like somehow it's being so weaponized and it's the thing that everyone's clinging on to as the, now we've gone too far. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're fine with like gender equality, fine. But like what you're telling me that the concept of gender is socially constructed and then sex is more complicated than I thought it was and it's not just binary and that is the thing that I think is maybe pushing people towards this even more because then they've got really nothing to hold on to because it's to do with their bodies and their identities and then you have a lot of yeah fears and rhetoric around it that it's just framed in such a manipulative way yeah and especially then, like, if you have the left being like, the climate crisis, and this is shit, and this is bad. Not that, like, the right ever says things are great. The right also is saying immigrants and gender politics and all this stuff. But the right is offering a solution, whereas the left is, all of these things are bad, and we're all going to die because the planet is on fire, and we have racism and gender issues. and ah. I think that is the problem of the left, totally. There is no vision, positive vision, of you know what would we like our society oh we would like it to be inclusive but then like what does that mean and then everyone gets stuck on like toilets which is absurd it, it's so absurd to me this toilet thing it's like also during corona big pandemic and everyone got stuck on toilets you know it's toilet roll it's like dudes it's such a fucking weird thing mm. like why do we always get stuck on toilets that's where everyone stopped everyone's like crisis i don't know what's happening okay let's go back to toilet literally this is where i you know at my university someone left a review because we had gender neutral bathrooms someone left a review of my university saying that this was dangerous and they don't want a child peeing next to a grown man to which I always wanted to point out, this is a university. What are children doing here? But also, did you not want to point out, are you implying by this that all grown men are paedophiles? Is that, that's what the implication is. Because then can a child pee next to a grown woman? Like, what's the, di it's so, there's so many ideas in this one statement. And you're just like, what? Oh, yeah. I mean, also, if you, there's a really, really good episode of You're Wrong About which talks about um, missing children and this idea that missing children are abducted, where they also go into this idea of how the way we view, quote unquote, pedophiles in our society is wrong. So basically this idea that a grown man is going to go into a toilet to molest children is completely <laughs> absurd and the realities of how pedophilia works in our society. Highly recommend it. We will link it in our show notes. Of course, it it happens in families, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. it happens with people that you trust. A man is not just going to go, uh, yeah, of course. Exactly. And what they point out in this episode, not to further paraphrase them horribly, is that the majority of people who are pedophiles don't think of themselves as pedophiles because to them, they have manipulated themselves into thinking that they're having a consensual relationship with this person so the idea, for example, of buying a child ruins this illusion, as does molesting a kid in a toilet. So basically, if all these people who are stuck on all of these toilet it, rhetoric could just listen to this episode of You're Wrong About. But actually, that's a really interesting comment, because also the 
anti-gay movement. And that's Anita Bryan, right? Who, who started with the, I'm just trying to protect my children. I, you know, gay people can be, they can do their thing, but they're trying to groom. There was so many fears wrapped up in that. Again, like displaced fears about your children being molested by gay men. And now you've got gender neutral toilets and then children being molested. And then you've got the, those QAnon people who are all like about pedophiles. Like it's the same fears that are being associated with trans people. They're grooming our children. They want little girls to change into boys so that then they're going to lose their fertility and things like that. And it's like this, we must save them. And there's so much wrapped up in that little comment that is from, I think, decades of fears Mm. and rhetoric and phobia. Fears is phobia. It's transphobia and homophobia and everything. Yeah. But just back on this topic of women and this need to go almost backwards I think from equity the writer Anne Helen Peterson was offered by Elle magazine to live a week as a trad wife which uh, is a hashtag on Instagram for these traditional wives who do all this stuff like you know sewing all their six kids clothes out of curtains or whatever that's the sound of music but you know what I mean and then there's also this um (laughs) another like offshoot of this on Instagram has recently been like the hot stay-at-home girlfriend who all she does is just stay at home she cooks she cleans she makes the bed and then she just does her beauty routine and that's that and Anne Helen Peterson's point was actually it represents not just the fact that, that as you were saying during times of uncertainty we do want to go to really strong definitions and that's why a lot of people join religious cults in terms of uncertainty and stuff like that it's the same this is like very bible as well on instagram but it's also the fact that this fight in the u.s especially for women who have tried to achieve equity has been now they they don't have it all they're just doing it all they're working multiple jobs they have no childcare expenses are so high like it's actually a better model or if it is possible at all that one person just stays at home and does all that labor that nobody recognizes in a way Mm -hmm. because it's just so yeah it's so hard and undervalued and all of the laws and legislatures and everything all that men are doing is just rolling back anyway everything we've achieved with reproduction rights and that's not just in the u.s like if you look at poland for example that they're testing for abortion drugs so there is real like a structural push also against feminism but yeah you know women are like oh this is where i'm safe and where i have the power and where i'm gonna have more control in a way maybe or feel more control you know given up control and being in the house and doing these tradition roles is almost more control than fighting i guess two things one we should all stay home we should topple capitalism and we should go back to hanging out in nature and eating fruit Two, the American comedian Michelle Wolf has this really funny special in which she, you know, she's a working woman, she has a career, she, I don't actually know if she's married or not, but she doesn't have kids. And she talks about how in the special, pe- people keep saying to her, you're like, you know, Michelle, you can have it all now. Women can have it 
all. You can have a family. You can have a career. And she's just like, I don't want it all. Holy shit, that's still so much responsibility. I have to do it all now. I can't just do one. I can't just have a career. I can't just be a mother. I have to do it all. The expectations on women are ridiculous. And I can also see how, remember when Chelsea Handler was just like, yeah, I have no kids. I love my life. Yeah. Basically, I just go skiing and whatever she does. I don't know. I have sex with a lot of men. I don't know what she does. Those are the activities. She has sex with men and she skis. I think that's basically what she said. And people were outraged. They were like, why is this your bliss? Because they are jealous, I think. That they can't ski. Women were also like, oh, it must be so sad if you don't have children. It's because they're projecting also because that's where they find their meaning in life. And if you're going to question that's where meaning lies, you know, in motherhood and stuff, people are going to get really edgy about it. And that's what's happening. All of this has happened in a week, but sort of tacking on to this, there's something else that ties into it a little bit, which the last week it was made public that Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner are getting a divorce. Who are these people? Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) Sophie Turner is one of your lot. She is British, is what I mean. (laughs) She is a a British actress. She's probably best known for being in Game of Thrones. She played Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones. I don't have a lot. Right. You don't have a lot or you don't have a group of people you belong to. (laughs) Right. I take it back. She is an English actress and she's married to one of the Jonas Brothers, to Joe Jonas, who I think is the middle one. Basically, what has happened is they have announced that they are getting divorced and right away the PR machine was trying to basically paint it as she's a bad mother. All she likes to do is party. She doesn't look after the kids. Joe Jonas is like looking after their kids, you know, even while he's on tour and all these things. And it's just been such a beautiful and kind of relieving moment on the internet. The fact that nobody has been buying this. This is just such a standard PR shenanigan, right? This grift has been pulled on women time and time again, on Britney Spears all the time, on any famous woman ever who dares to think about having a career. I mean, I just love that The internet is not buying it. What have the comments been like? People who've defended her, first of all, pointed out that Joe Jonas is not in any way, shape, or form taking care of the children. They're like, you're on tour, you have 12 nannies, calm down. Second of all, a lot of people have been citing in the fact that, like, in interviews or on TikToks and stuff in the past, both of them have openly discussed how Sophie Turner is actually an introvert and, like, a homebody and prefers to stay home. And so they're like, all right, if you're going to, like, pull this grift on us, try something different because, like, we have proof from from you that this isn't true. And also just just generally people have been like, she's a young woman in her 20s. She can go out and spend time with her friends. She can have a career that doesn't make her a bad mom. And I think that this has been reaffirmed by people in, I mean, Vox wrote a really great article about it. This has just been reaffirmed by just generally the internet and the public. So it's kind of nice to see people aren't falling for the, you know, misogynistic slander of a talented, brilliant young woman. Amazing. And on that note, here are three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, I would really recommend going to a memorial like the Anne Frank House or if you're in Berlin, the Holocaust Memorial or there are lots, there's the Resistance Museum. It's really easy to forget about the slide into fascism and it's really, really a real threat and we just think, oh, it just won't happen because 
it's optimism bias or but go to a museum people I think too there's a really 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 good episode called the wellness to QAnon pipeline by maintenance phase where they talk to Mike Rothschild who is a journalist and researcher who specializes in this area and he talks a lot about what you're supposed to do if one of your family members falls into QAnon or general right-wing sort of conspiracy things And he gives some super good advice on how to deal with them, how not to lose them, how to rationalize with them, and how to potentially, for lack of a better word, win them back. And I think in a time when we're becoming even more divided and more and more people are joining the IFD, I think it's a really, really important time to remember that we need to have conversations with our family members And being aggressive and being angry is maybe not the best way to go, even though that is obviously how we all feel when it comes to all of these right-wing parties and this ridiculousness. So I highly recommend that you all go listen to this episode and maybe apply some of Mike Rothschild's suggestions when dealing with and having conversations with your own family members who have slightly right-wing tendencies or are at risk of being lost. And thing three, check your bias when it comes to women politicians and look at really what they say and what they do and what their policies are instead of assuming that they might just be better than they are just because of their gender. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.